Natasha Torres. I'm a spinning teacher, a recovering academic, and the founder of SheepSpot, where we're on a mission to revolutionize spinning education by using the power of online courses and communities to help spinners make more yarns they love and enjoy every step of the process. These days, I can make just about any yarn I can imagine, but believe me, I was not a natural spinner. Now, many skeins and hand-spun projects later, spinning allows me to express myself creatively and quiet my mind no matter how crazy the world around me gets. I created this podcast to give you both a clear strategy to become a skilled, confident, and versatile spinner, and lots of quick, actionable tactics that will level up your yarn making quickly and easily. If you're an inquisitive hand spinner, you are in the right place, and I'm so glad that you're here. In the last episode, I talked about the advantages of building a daily spinning habit. This week, I'm going to give you four ways to remove friction from your spinning life. So what is friction? Anything that makes it harder to get to your wheel and get spinning. Hey there, darling Sheepspotter. Welcome to episode 90 of the Sheepspot podcast. I'm Sasha, and my job is to help you make more yarns you love. Last week, we talked about how habits are highly context-specific. Habits are fragile, and they can be disrupted by changes to one's environment. And this is true of bad habits as well as good ones. My favorite example of this has to do with American soldiers in Vietnam. So in the early 70s, there was uh, a lot of worry Uh, in the U.S. military about the fact that so many soldiers in Vietnam were using heroin. And um, so in 1971, the U.S. military decided that it was going to do mandatory urine testing on all soldiers as they were leaving military service. And their testing suggested that as many as 34% of U.S. soldiers used heroin while serving in Vietnam and 20% of them were addicted to it. But in the first year, and there was a lot of anxiety about this, right? That that, uh, as soldiers were coming back from Vietnam, there was worry that they were going to completely overwhelm uh, the treatment possibilities that then existed. But in the first year after returning to the U.S., only 1% of them became re-addicted to heroin, even though 10% of them tried heroin again after returning home. And so this is a remarkable, this to me is a remarkable statistic because we think of heroin as being highly, highly addictive. But the fact that their context had changed so dramatically um, meant that their heroin habit just didn't persist through all those changes. So context can disrupt habits, but it can also support them. And this week's episode is about how you manage the context of your spinning practice to make spinning easier. And I'm going to talk about four things. The physical environment in which you spin, the state of your stash, how to avoid getting stalled between projects, 
and keeping the kinds of spinning records that will allow you to leave a project and then pick it back up again easily. So let's talk about your spinning environment first. If you're having trouble spinning as much as you would like, I think the first thing to think about is how you've set up the place in your house where you do most of your spinning. If you need to spend a lot of time getting out your wheel, finding your fiber, chasing down your orifice hook, um, you've got a lot of tasks that are standing between you and actually spinning. And to make making habits easier to do is a great way to develop them faster. So I know from my own experience that this makes a really big difference. So during the part of the year when I'm in Ontario, I've got everything that I need to spin right in the living room. There's the drawer with the flyers, the drawer with the bobbins, the drawer with the whirls, the cabinet for the prep tools and storage bobbins and the one for projects. And there's the television for the Netflix, of course. When I'm in Nova Scotia, on the other hand, things are a little bit trickier because our space there is essentially one room and I don't like leaving a lot of stuff out. So guess where I do more spinning? It is absolutely the place where I have a designated spinning spot and it's set up all the time and I know where everything is and it's right there. So I would invite you to think about whether you can set up a spot in your house if you don't have one already where your wheel is out inviting you to spin, and where your projects and tools are ready to go. With spinning, as with any other positive habit, you want to make doing what you've already decided to you want to do, um, assuming that you've decided that you want to do more spinning, you want to make doing that as easy as possible. So set up your space to make getting started effortless. Organize your tools and your works in progress so that they're easy to get to. Behavior scientist BJ Fogg, author of Tiny Habits, and I will put a link to that in the show notes, posits that any human behavior happens when we're prompted, motivated, and able to do that behavior. And those three things have to happen at the same time. So we have to be prompted to do it, motivated to do it, and able to do it. And having an orderly spinning space not only makes it easier to get going, so it improves the ability piece of that um, of that threesome, but the space can also itself serve as a prompt. And making your spinning space inviting may increase your motivation to spin as well. So you can hit a lot of uh, birds with this particular stone of setting up a really lovely, inviting, well-organized spinning space for yourself. Now, next I want to talk about stash. How are you and your stash getting along? I found that having either too much or too little in my stash can be pretty murderous to my spinning mojo. I need enough choices to be inspired, but not so many that I'm overwhelmed. Organization of my stash is also really crucial for me if my stash is a mess, which honestly, I've got to say, is probably about 50% of the time, I am dramatically less likely to be actually spinning. Because whenever I go in search of something to spin, I'm confronted by the mess, 
which makes me feel guilty and wasteful and generally the opposite of creative. So for me, regular destashing and organizing is fundamental to a healthy spinning life. Having to dig through reg- regrettable purchases or dye experiments to get to what I want to spin is another major buzzkill for me. So if any of this sounds familiar, considering consider setting aside some stash management time. And I actually have a free self-guided challenge in the flock that's called Groom Your Stash, and that will walk you through my process of destashing and organizing, as well as combining bits of stash for larger projects and freshening up fiber that's gotten compacted in storage. Project planning. I have found that it is very easy for me and my spinning habit to get derailed when I finished one project and I haven't yet decided what's next. Sometimes I just don't have the bandwidth to find fiber and plan a new thing. So here's how I I manage this. I like to be working on one and only one project per wheel. So when I'm in Ontario, this means that I've got something going on my sidekick, something going on my ladybug, and something on my electric eel six. When I'm in Nova Scotia, it means I have something on my Hanson and on my Nova Scotia ladybug. I like to have one big project going in each place and at least one of what guild members have dubbed snack spins. And those are just like quick four ounce projects um, that you can snack on when you're tired of your big project. I also like to have a spindle spin going as well, just for portability. Um, And this way I don't get overwhelmed because there's a limited number of things that I'm working on. Um, I, but I always have some choice of what to work on, which for me is really important. And when I finish one project, I have others that are already in progress and I can just keep going on those while I ruminate about what I want to get going on the empty wheel. And this has worked really well for um, preventing me from getting stalled between projects. So think about whether something like this would work for you. Um, yeah, think about that. The last thing I want to talk about is good record keeping. And if you've ever taken a class with me, I have done my best to impress on you the importance of keeping good spinning records. And here I have to confess that this is a do as I say, not as I do situation. I recently, no joke, I recently unearthed a knitting project in progress using some hand spun and I had no idea what it was. Like there was nothing. It could have been a sock. It could have been mitts. I had no idea what pattern I was knitting. I consulted my project notebook. There was nothing in there. I finally figured out that it was the beginning of a set of fairy boat mitts, which is a pattern by Church Mouse Yarn and Tees that I really like. And I wish I could tell you that this will be the last time that will happen, but I'm just not that rash and I don't want to lie to you. All I can do is urge you to be kind to your future self and give her the information that she needs to complete the project when you've been away from it. You think you will remember, but you will not remember. So if you work on multiple projects at once, as I do, 
record keeping becomes really, really important because I'm going to be starting one project and, and working on something else. I'm going to be going back and forth among my projects. So here's what I try to do every time I start a spinning project. And I don't always succeed at this, but I'm definitely getting better at it. So the first thing I do is I create a page for it in my project notebook. And my project notebook has all of my spinning, knitting, and weaving projects. Um, The second thing I do is I create a spinning record card for the project, which I keep with the fiber. Um, And this is just a, a card that I have made up for my own spinning Uh, that allows me to keep a record of everything about the fiber and then everything about my wheel spit setup and then how I am spinning the fiber. So that stays with the fiber. So when I pick that project up again, I will know which wheel I was working on, um, how I set up the wheel, what draft I'm using, just that basic kind of thing. Um, And there's a freebie version of the spinning record cards available in the flock. And I will put a link to it in the show notes. You can print it out. You can print out as many copies as you like. I have found it really useful. Lots of my students have found it really useful. Um, So the second step for me is I create a spinning record card. And then the third step for me is that I attach a plyback sample and a sample of the singles to a shipping label And that goes with, that lives with the fiber as well. Now, there is some duplication of effort here, but I find that this works for me when I can make myself do it. So I've got the basic info, wheel, fiber, ratio, drafting method, both in my notebook and on the spinning record card. But I like being able to see everything I'm working on in one place, and that's the notebook and also having something that lives with the fiber. And that's the record card and the plyback sample. So think about experimenting with uh, your own record keeping system. And if you don't have a record keeping system, I really urge you to, again, just it's a kindness to your future self um, to come up with something that's going to work for you. So Today, we've talked about four areas of your spinning life that might be impeding your day-to-day spinning, and I've made some suggestions for identifying any friction you may be encountering in these areas. So we've talked about setting up an inviting, well-equipped spot to spin, setting up your stash to support your spinning, avoiding getting marooned between projects, and keeping good records so that you can easily restart and finish projects that you've set aside. As always, there is a post in the flock, Sheepspot's free online community for inquisitive hand spinners, where you can comment on and discuss this episode. And I will would really love to know whether it's been useful to you and what, if any, changes you're considering to support your spinning. I will link to that thread in the show notes, which you can find at sheepspot.com slash podcast slash episode 90. So that is it for me this time. I will be back next time with an episode on how to make building a spinning habit or any other kind of habit 
much easier. And in the meantime, while you're waiting, go ahead and spin something because you know it will do you good. Have you joined The Flock yet? The Flock is SheepSpot's free online community for inquisitive hand spinners. As a member, you'll get access to a complete library of podcast episodes, all the free resources I've created for the podcast, several self-guided challenges, our Friday spinning check-in, and more. Head to theflock.sheepspot.com to sign up.